0: It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us. a very nice day across the heartland. I'm Scott Foster, Jason Jorgensen. Bob Rogan are in here as we do our previews on what we're going to be talking about. And we always start with farm department. And there's Susan Littlefield. Hi, Susan.
1: Well, hello. Got a question for you. We are almost two weeks into the new year. Have you stuck to your New Year's resolutions yet?
0: Yes, because I didn't make any.
1: Ha! Huh, good for you. So
0: that was, yes, I have, I, I've been very strict at sticking with them.
1: Oh, good. Gold star for you today.
0: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you? Have you? Yes. Congratulations.
1: Thank yeah, you. when you have a wrestler in the house, you do stick to your, oh, your yeah, you
0: have to, goals have to. right
1: then and there. Yep.
0: <laughs> what do you got for us today?
1: Well, that kind of leads into what's going to happen at 1219 we are talking with chef gavin pinto he's with certified angus beef as he talks about eating healthy Everybody's one of the goals they always have every year so he's going to talk about ways that you can incorporate beef and some amazing recipes through their website so we'll talk more about that at 1219. then clay will come in with unl extension educator chuck burr gives us the final numbers of the 2020 taps program remember that Testing Ag Performance Mm -hmm. Solutions. So we'll have more on him with the midday. And then I'll step back in at 117 as there is some hemp growers that has some legislation possibly on the books at the Unicameral. We'll talk about what some of their goals are with that information and how a previous legislation has kind of given them a bit of a hiccup. So more is coming up on that at 117 from the farm team.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a great day. You too. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen now and more news coming out of Huskers.
2: Yeah, and this is pretty decent news as uh, safety DeAndre Williams announced this morning that he is coming back. So mm. he will play and take that extra year from the NCAA. Of course, he started 7 games for Nebraska. Mm. The only game that he missed was after that targeting call and he had to set out the first half of the previous or the next game. So that's that's good news for the black shirts. Also there was some uh, good news yesterday. A USC running back Marquis Step has announced he's transferring to Nebraska. He's a good-sized back. He was kind of got caught in the numbers game out there with USC. He was a four-star recruit coming out of high school.
0: Big body guy yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. Kind of looks like a prototypical
2: Big Ten running back. He will step in and replace uh, Diedrich Mills, who's decided to move on to the NFL after he rushed for about 400 yards for Nebraska. Uh, Mills is close to being 25 years old. So if, if you're going to Might go and well. try you know, yeah. another year of school, wasn't going to do him much of uh, any good. So we'll. Touch on all of that. Husker man, lose another game, or at least postpone due to COVID. That's three now they have to make up. I'm not sure when that will happen, but mm-hmm. that's somebody else's problem. That's true. But, uh, yeah, so tough week for Husker Hoops.
0: Would not want to be making those decisions, uh, that's no. for sure. That's Especially for sure. the logistics of oh. all of that. Yuck. Jeez. All right, thank you, Jason. Uh, Bob is in here. we got stocks. Uh, well, they're up a little bit today.
3: They are drifting a bit in trading. As uh, Wall Street takes a pause from its recent big rally, the S&P 500 has been flipping between small gains and losses while uh, hovering close to its record high set at the end of last week. U.S. consumer prices rose a little bit in December, led by a sharp rise in gasoline prices, and uh, a growing number of restaurants nationwide are defying those uh, restrictions on dining and so forth.
2: Thursday night at UNK and high school basketball from KRVN Sports on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney, the Lopers host Missouri Western with a women's game at 5.30 and the men's game at 7.30. On Kami Country, Cozad hosts Gothenburg with our coverage for the girls game starting with the Botanil Hybrids pregame show at 5.20 with tip-off at 5.30 and the boys game to follow. That's UNK basketball on the river and Gothenburg versus Cozad on Kami from KRVN Sports.
0: Time for us to check in with ag weather and see what uh, weather's doing, how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. A world tour of ag weather and just getting back in time for it was Donna Cavalli.
4: Hello. It's 50s uh, it's- it's in a lot of areas. Ogallala is at 56 degrees. That's the wow. only spot in the state. How about that?
0: That is, uh, let me. Uh Good good work there mm-hmm. on the shores of uh, Lake McConaughey. <laughs> that's right. That's nice.
4: You know, it was interesting because when I came in this morning uh, at 6 a.m., a good chunk of the southern panhandle in Nebraska was already at 40 degrees. Oh, really? So it was oh, wow. 5 a.m. mountain time zone. It was at 40 degrees. Wow. So. I, that's that's rare, obviously, this time of year that the, that early in the morning it was already 40. And I think just north of Sydney was 46 by 6 a.m. that time.
0: Damn it, Christmas. That's really something. Yeah, yeah. But as you look there, you'll notice, is that just outside of Laramie that uh, winds wind yeah. gusts of 60? Mm-hmm. Of course, it's always blowing there around Laramie. But but we're going to really be getting some winds here pretty soon, aren't we?
4: We will. And it was already 70-mile-per-hour wind gusts in Laramie uh, earlier today. Oh. But as you mentioned, this is nothing uncommon yeah, for true. the Wyoming area, especially the eastern side of Wyoming. And Wheatland is just saying 65-mile-per-hour wind gust. So you know, maybe they don't get those all the time, but no. they, they're they're not uncommon.
0: They plant their their trees there at forty five <laughs> yeah. degree angles just to, so they'll straight up eventually. Right, so right. yep, yep. All right, give it. Tell us all the good news.
4: Well, as we talked about before, temperature is going to remain well above average across the plains today as an upper level ridge is moving across the region towards the northeast. Now highs and lows about forty degrees above average for some places extending from the Dakotas to central Kansas. Temperatures. Records may be broken through tonight for a good portion of our region. Now, as we talked about, the high wind warning is posted for extreme southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado from midnight tonight through sunset tomorrow evening for wind gusts of 60 to 70 miles per hour. Initially, these were high wind watches. They've now been upgraded to warnings, which is not terrific. Now, a high wind watch will then go back into effect for extreme southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado after the wind warning expires late tomorrow evening and runs through sunset Friday. Should also mention, light snow is possible Thursday night into Friday morning across north central Nebraska. Really little to no snow accumulation is expected, but when you have these nasty winds that we're anticipating, even the lightest snowfall may reduce visibility as well as create areas of blowing and drifting snow across north-central Nebraska. And by the way, if you're wondering, it's going to be chilly with these winds. Tomorrow, maybe not so much. We're still maybe seeing 40s. Some areas may see 50s. Obviously, that's not going to be the temperature with the winds. But by Friday morning, wind chill values will be in those single digits to near zero on a Friday morning. Gross. Yes. Uh, overall rain for only the short term in South America in limited moisture for the interior United States are the primary features for the commodities market's attention today. The DTN ag weather forecast calls for very little Midwest precipitation during next week. Northern areas have a mix of rain and snow. Other areas will be mainly dry as moisture chances in the Ohio Valley will increase in the 8 to 14 day time frame. Dry soils remain a notable concern ahead of the 2021 crop season. Meanwhile, drought conditions remain in effect over much of the southern plains. Very little precipitation is expected outside of the northeastern corner of the region during the next 10 days. Northern Plain areas will have a blustery and colder trend in the forecast through the end of the week. Snowfall will be variable but mostly light. Low temperatures remain in place through the 10-day time frame, however little to no additional precipitation is indicated. Meanwhile, northern and central Brazil crop areas have moderate to locally heavy rain in the five-day forecast. Southern Brazil has light rain prospects. Moisture will be favorable for northern and central crop areas, as the lighter amounts over southern areas will lead to concern about moisture deficits during the balance of the crop season. And finally, Argentina's central crop areas have rain in the forecast during Thursday and Friday. The pattern turns drier after that week, most of the primary crop areas of Argentina are in drought, with rain offering limited benefits. should also mention that the uh, dry conditions and low humidity for south-central southwest Nebraska, north-central northwest Kansas, has led to a fire watch. Also, uh, in effect, tomorrow morning through tomorrow afternoon with those nasty winds so be mindful of that absolutely
0: absolutely all right well thank you tyler i appreciate it where do you go to check in on your weather
4: for more weather visit krvn.com thank you
1: whether you wanted to exercise more read more or eat healthier we're two weeks almost into this new year and how are you doing i'm susan littlefield on the rural radio network Chef Gavin Pinto is with Certified Angus Beef, and we talked about being in a new year and of a goal that is very attainable, eating healthy in the new year.
5: Yeah, that's right. Um, You know, a lot of people think, you know, it's a new year, new you kind of attitude, and you want to start eating healthy. Um, And I really think that for me, eating healthy doesn't mean necessarily restricting a ton of what you eat. It's being mindful of what you eat. And um, having things that have lots of um, nutrients, nutrient dense is really the name of the game when eating healthy. And I think beef can absolutely be a part of that conversation.
1: So what are some things that they can do when they make that selection of beef or are they thinking of planning out meals that they can focus on?
5: Well, you know, there's a couple options. Um, if you're the kind of person who wants to do a little more meal prep, um, a great option is to take a nice like round cut, like a bottom round rump roast. And braise it and do like a roast one night. And then you can use that beef throughout the week for various different applications for quick lunches or sandwiches, things that you can take on the go and then use that throughout the week. And the nice thing about bottom round is it's, you know, it's got some marbling to it, but it's still a leaner cut so that it's kind of versatile and you still get all the protein that you're looking for.
1: So looking at that and looking at the quality that's there, what are some of your favorite go-to meals, especially, you know, it's a new hol- at post-holiday. Everybody's kind of in that, you know, needs to jazz things up a little bit.
5: Yeah, um, so I actually like doing bowls a lot this time of year, um, kind of using different, maybe heartier grains and different vegetables and kind of constructing bowls because for me, that's something I can take to work every day along with me throw in the microwave reheat and then have a kind of a, um, a lot of options using different um, like root vegetables and maybe like quinoa and brown rice mix or something like that something very nutrient dense and you vary the base to your bowl and you can vary those vegetables and then like I said using something like a bottom round or a even you know um, top round, something like that that you braise and shred, you can kind of use that as your topping and vary the flavors. One day it could be kind of a Southwest bowl, the next day it could be an Asian bowl, and it's all about the the uh, flavors you're using, that, using with that. And you can make a base um, roast, shred it, and then depending on your toppings or your sauces or salsas, or whatever, you can make different meals out of that one dish.
1: And I think it really makes the food prep for the week and the planning so easy. And it sounds like it's pretty uh, a kid-friendly as well.
5: Sure. You know, um, uh, my son honestly eats a lot of the same things we eat. We just kind of like pull back on the ingredients for him. Maybe he doesn't eat it with a sauce because it's a little too spicy or a little too uh, soy sauce. He's not really into kind of the salty sauces. So, you know, maybe we'll just pull back on the sauce for him, but then we'll just make him essentially the same thing, just some, some cooked vegetables, some rice, a little bit of shredded meat, and then he'll eat all that those same items, but maybe with just a little less flavor than I like.
1: And of course, you've got an amazing website where folks can find all these recipes and so much more.
5: Right? Yeah, if you go on CertifiedAngusBeef dot com, and we've got a great section. It's right now it's titled Pasta and Rice Dishes, but in that you can find a lot of different um, bowl ideas that don't even involve maybe pasta or just white rice.
1: That is my conversation with certified Angus beef chef, Gavin Pinto. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Royal Radio Network.
0: Time for us to check in on sports and Jason Jorgensen back in studio with us. And, uh, we talked a little bit about this, a preview, but, uh, after a bad day for the Huskers with Wondell Robinson, they come back with a couple better days.
2: Yeah, it's an active time. The Blackshirts picked up some good news this morning. As safety, Deontay Williams, announced his intention to delay an attempt to make the NFL in favor of a return to Lincoln for another year with the Huskers. Williams is taking advantage of the waiver from the NCAA that allows all athletes another year of eligibility and stole the clock for the 2020 season Williams started seven games for Nebraska, only missing the first half of the Northwestern game as a result of a tardy call he received toward the tail end of the Ohio State matchup. Well, running back Marquis Stepp is transferring from USC to Nebraska. His arrival strengthens an area of need for the Big Red following the departures of Dedrick Mills and Wondell Robinson. Stepp made that announcement yesterday on Twitter. The 6-foot, 235-pounder appeared in five of the Trojans' six games, and he was the team's third-leading rusher. Now, he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school in Indianapolis in 2018. And the good thing about him is he has three years of eligibility remaining. Now, from the rumor mill and where there's been smoke, there's been fire on all of this at this point in the year, uh, it's rumored that quarterback Luke McCaffrey will be announcing soon his decision to enter into the transfer portal.
0: I, I'm beginning to hate the words transfer <laughs> portal. I really You knew that's what it was going to yeah. be. Uh,
2: I can see McCaffrey wanting to move on. However, in my professional opinion, he does not have the skill set to be a Power 5 quarterback with his inability to throw the football down the field. But I am also I was also disappointed this fall that Nebraska didn't find a way to use him in like a Cordell Stewart kind of way. I mean, if he's not going to play quarterback, fine, but
0: get him out on the field. He needs to be on the field for sure.
2: But who knows, he might end up, if he wants to play quarterback, he might end up playing for his dad there at Greeley at Northern Colorado. Will We'll see, but uh, to this point, when we've heard a couple days ahead of time, it's turned out to be true. Very, very true. Cade Cunningham scored 18 points in Oklahoma State held off a late rally to defeat 6th-ranked Kansas last night, 75-70. KU fell behind by 16, and head coach Bill Self says that was too much to overcome.
6: And uh, probably played a pretty competitive 10 minutes, but other than that, I didn't think we were very competitive. I thought they controlled everything with their speed and quickness, and... And our inability to get back in transition uh, 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 put it where there was no margin for error.
2: Kansas trailed by three in the closing seconds and had possession but couldn't pull it off. And K-State will kick off its 2021 football season on September 4th against Stanford. That game will take place at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. They've been chosen for the All-State Kickoff Classic, so they'll have to be ready to go on that one.
0: Way to go, Wildcats. Have we? I was kind of thinking the Kickoff Classic had gone away. Maybe I maybe I just miss it because we don't play it anymore. Well, <laughs> that could have been it. I don't know. That's true, too,
2: but that's that's a nice game for the Wildcats.
0: Yeah, together. that is. That's sports. For more, you can find
2: that anytime at krvn.com.
0: All right, thank you. Mm-hmm.
7: the country have begun returning to classrooms and campuses hoping for a return of some normalcy after a year facing COVID-19 protocols and virtual learning classrooms. University of Nebraska Kearney Chancellor Doug Christensen adds that he is proud of how the UNK campus handled the fall semester. I think
6: the campus was very attuned to being careful for each other. It was that family attitude look all socially distanced, all wear a mask, we won't have Athletic events, we won't have concerts, because I want to be respectful and I don't want to harm my mom, my dad, my grandparents. To so that, the campus deserves a tremendous amount of praise and kudos.
7: Christensen continued that the biggest obstacle to overcome for the spring semester will be fatigue from the changes brought on by the pandemic, as well as continuing to address protocols with vaccines and other health measures. UNK is scheduled to return to fall campus for the spring semester on January 25th. Police in Council Bluffs say two men have been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder and other counts in a shooting that left one man critically injured. Police say the shooting happened Tuesday night outside the Northgate apartments in Council Bluffs. Arriving officers found 32-year-old Jeffrey Enders on the ground with a gunshot wound to its head. Police say he was hospitalized but is expected to survive. Police later arrested 22-year-old Gage Eggum of Omaha, Nebraska and 28-year-old Cody Chapin of Council Bluffs in connection with the shooting. Mexico says it will invoke the labor section of the Free Trade Agreement with the United States last year to pressure for its workers in the U.S. to have access to the COVID-19 vaccine regardless of their immigration status. Foreign Affairs Secretary Marcelo Ebrard said today that it's an established right that the worker must not be exposed to infection. He says the exclusion of any Mexican workers from vaccination programs would be considered a violation of the trade agreement. Mexico President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador visited Washington in July to sign the new U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. 24 new cases of COVID-19 were reported by Two Rivers Public Health Department in the seven-county region it serves for Tuesday, January 12th. Check out the Two Rivers website for more detailed information for the citizens on current COVID-19. New confirmed cases for Tuesday include Buffalo County 12, Dawson County 4, Franklin 1, Kearney County 2, Phelps County 5. Remaining vigilant to prevent the spread of COVID-19 is more important than ever, And Two Rivers commends the counties it serves and the hard work and efforts that have been made in everyone's daily lives. They remind everyone to follow the three C's, avoid crowded places, close contact, and confined spaces. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons.
8: We returned to the TAPS fields at the West Central Research and Extension Center to see how the 2020 program came to an end. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Clay Patton. We followed the TAPS, or the Testing Act Performance Solutions Program, in 2020 from planting to harvest in our program Fridays in the Field. We're once again joined by Nebraska Extension Educator Chuck Burr. Chuck, start off by telling us how did the TAPS program finish in 2020.
6: Yeah, of course, it was pretty hot and dry this year, which, uh, if you had plenty of water, had really good yields, so we're pretty excited about the yields that we saw this year. Uh, Pretty interesting to see the huge response in water. Mm -hmm. Uh, If anybody was a little bit short of, of water throughout the year, really really impacted their yields which you would kind of expect. Profitability was also hugely dependent on when they marketed their grain as well. Of course with high prices now compared to the rest of the season uh, anybody that did any forward marketing or anything like that probably didn't turn out quite so well. So kind of interesting to see how things panned out this year.
8: If you can can you give us any insight into what those overall profitability numbers look like for some of the high performing teams?
6: Some of them up into the $400 per acre range, which, you know, if they did a really good job of watching their input costs, uh, you know, not putting on too much water nitrogen, just putting on what the crop needed. And then, of course, marketing towards the end of the season, we saw some really, really high profitability numbers. Uh, Sorghum as well. Sorghum is actually a positive basis when we finished the contest up in late November. So over $5 per bushel for sorghum sold uh, delivered at harvest. So huge, huge numbers this year.
8: You know, it's interesting, we talk about the TAFs program, and the one thing is you guys really discouraged us going full board to try to get the best yields. So these teams that were achieving that high profitability level, as you were saying, nearly $400 per acre, what was the type of yield that they were seeing off of those fields to achieve that profitability?
6: Yeah, so the high yields were pretty profitable this year uh, with with prices the way they were. If they really watched your input costs, if you had a really high yield, really high profits this year, kind of interesting to see. Um, that in terms of, you know, looking for those extra bushels this year, it paid off.
8: For the researchers such as yourself and others that are involved with the TAPS program, how long will it take you to synthesize a lot of the information before we can see some of the results and things learned here in the 2020 TAPS program when, like this panel summer, you had the tips from TAPS from the previous programs?
6: so Our first release of information will actually be this Saturday, January 16th. We had planned to do an in-person awards banquet course, with COVID. That's not available this year. So on Saturday, January 16th at 7 p.m., we're going to do a virtual uh, awards program. Uh, We were all down in Lincoln last Friday recording that through the Market Journal program. Uh, So you can catch us on Twitter or our West Central Facebook page. So our Twitter handle is UNL underscore TAPS. And the West Central Research Extension and Education Center is Facebook slash UNL W C R E E C. And again, those will be presented at 7 p.m. this Saturday.
8: As we start to turn the page now into 2021, uh, what are the early things? If someone's interested in the TAPS program, what is the next step they need to be doing right now?
6: We are taking reservations this year. We've got several coming in already. Get a hold of Crystal Rose. Crystal is our TAPS program manager. You can just send her an email at taps at unl.edu. Again, let her know as soon as you can uh, if you're interested in participating and which competition you would like to participate in. The other thing I'll just mention is after our awards banquet or virtual awards Saturday, we will uh, have a PowerPoint posted on our website uh, with some slides showing the data uh, that uh, allowed the award winners to to win their their cash and prizes. So check that out as well on our taps.unl.edu website.
8: Again, we're talking with Chuck Burr, UNL Extension Educator, and continue to go throughout this season. We've talked about the things that folks have learned, and the great thing about TABS is it gives that firsthand experience and knowledge, and it gives it over the data set before really trying to practice it on your own farm and making those big financial impact and decisions to your farm. So, from this, you know, you kind of have new people come in every year. Do you continue to see that light bulb click on and continue to see the TABS program pay dividends for the folks that sign up and participate?
6: It, it really does. And to me, the exciting thing about TAPS is comparing your management strategies to other uh, peers, other farmers that are competing. And like you say, the light bulb kind of goes on, whether it be, you know, seeding costs or marketing or nitrogen management, irrigation management on the, on down the line. It really allows a grower to understand where their strengths are and their weaknesses, and then we can help them with those weaknesses and how to improve that.
8: I know they've thought about a soybean program. Are we any closer to soybean TAPS?
6: It would be at least a year out yet. It uh, won't be anything for 2021.
8: Jack, final closing thoughts as we round out the interview.
6: Just encourage everybody to check out our TAP Award program January 16th at 7 p.m. this Saturday see who the winners were, and then again, check out our website. We'll have that information downloaded. And several weeks from now, we'll have our final report posted as well.
8: That again, Chuck Burr, UNL Extension Educator and one of the key people with TAPS or Testing Act Performance Solutions Program at the West Central Research and Extension Center near North Platte, Nebraska. If you want to see the TAPS fields and learn more about the program, you can visit ruralradio.com and you can see all of our Fridays in the Field segments from this past growing season. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network.
3: With Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are drifting in trading as Wall Street continues a pause from its big recent rally. The S&P 500 has been flipping between small gains and losses while hovering close to its record high set at the end of last week. Even treasury yields are stalling. Following their rapid rise, the 10 year yield dipped as concerns calmed that the Federal Reserve may curtail its purchases of treasuries. The Fed's bond buying has kept rates low in hopes of boosting markets and the economy, but it's also stoked criticism that stocks have become too expensive. U.S. consumer prices rose four tenths of a percent in December, led by a sharp rise in gasoline prices. The Labor Department says the December increase was the largest advance in four months. It followed a two-tenths percent rise in November and no change at all in October. Inflation for all of 2020 was up a modest 1.4 percent, well below the Federal Reserve's 2 percent target. Airbnb says it will be blocking and canceling reservations in the Washington, D.C. area during the week of the presidential inauguration. That decision announced today comes two days after it said it was reviewing reservations in the area ahead of next week's presidential inauguration and said it will bar any guests associated with hate groups or violent activity. A growing number of restaurants nationwide are opening for indoor dining in defiance of strict COVID-19 regulations in their states, saying they are targeted unfairly and are barely hanging on. In Oregon, a movement to defy an indoor dining ban began quietly on January 1st and is gaining steam despite warnings from state inspectors and surging COVID 19 case numbers. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan.
1: Learning more about the Nebraska Hemp Farming Act. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Andrew Bish is with Bish Enterprises and Hemp Harvest Works. We talk about the Nebraska Hemp Farming Act.
9: When you look at the current hemp uh, bill that's on the books, and I think it's 1120, uh, that that ultimately was revised from from 657 last year, there were some changes that were made to lb657 that really were not very farmer friendly and that is our main focus um uh, in relative to some of these goals so when you look at the primary goals here The first one says, until a producer incurs three strikes, that producer cannot face criminal prosecution for violation of the Nebraska hemp program. For fiber crop production, if a crop can be mitigated for compliance, that crop production does not count as a strike under Nebraska law. So, what does this mean? Well, right now, if you grow a crop in the state of Nebraska and you happen to get a variety that tests let's say it has 1% THC. Well, you could, you could technically be uh, charged with a felony in the state of Nebraska for growing this crop. Now, keep in mind that Nebraska doesn't have a certified seed program, nor are there certified varieties that are known to not do that. So it's very risky in the state of Nebraska if you want to go out and test different crops. Uh, you know, you're, you're the type of farmer that's going to do some testing because it's, it's very early on and with this commodity and you want to figure out which is the variety that grows here in Nebraska the best, well, that testing might cause you to become a felon, and, and that's what we don't want. So what we're asking for is for the state to change that language so that it requires that a person has already committed violated the act on three separate occasions before they can be charged with a felony. That way you see gross negligence um, on behalf of the, the producer or the grower, not an accident. And right now an accident can get, like I said, can get a farmer um, turned into being a felon. That's not far.
1: A little bit about mitigating for compliance.
9: If we're, if we're growing a fiber crop, for instance, uh, and this is specifically about grain and fiber, if you're growing those and you're not actually harvesting for the flour, you're not collecting the flour, you're not working with the flour in any way, shape, or form, but that crop happens to be, uh, grows, uh, higher than the legal allowed percentage of THC, what we're asking is, for the state to allow that to be mitigated. And again, just the simple process of harvesting, if you were harvesting for the grain, then all the is gonna be in the field. So it's not gonna go into the stream of commerce and nobody can be impacted by it. Um, The grain isn't gonna carry THC in it. The same way that if we just cut down the stalks, there's not gonna be flour that's produced from it, uh, and therefore a farmer shouldn't need to destroy their field uh, because they grew, you know, a higher amount of THC uh, when they're not actually harvesting that part of the plant.
1: And that's my conversation this afternoon with Andy Bish. He is with Bish Enterprises and Hemp Harvest Works as they talk about the Nebraska Hemp Farming Act and some of the goals that they have for this legislative session. If you'd like to read up and find out further information, you can go to hemp com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
8: Clay fan on the Rural Radio Network as we talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. A little bit of a pullback following yesterday's sharply higher market trade, I somewhat expected just given the strong rally we've seen in somewhat top-heavy long position the funds have started to build up.
10: Yeah, I think some divisions have been long for a while, though, and, and, and in my opinion, you know, the sharpness is is going to provide opportunity, especially if you're making cash sales along the way. Um, you know, liquidations are going to happen. I think, you know, Watson, well, I saw it yesterday, and we didn't talk about this, but before the report came out, it was probably like 10 minutes prior, we saw a break in almost 25 cents in the soybeans on very low volume. So. You have to be ready for this. You know, there's going to be a lot of rugs to be pulled out. Now, whether or not they're coming from $14 or not, I can't tell you. You look at the charts, you get 15. 15 looks to be a nice round number. That's a 2014 high. Uh, we're there for corn right now. Uh, so, you know, weather, depending on South America, may be a factor. I right? just momentum and just the lack of supply we have right now is, uh, is going to drive us there.
8: And then we look over in the currency trade here today. The U.S. dollar index continuing to gain some strength, but yet it seems to be range-bound as well. We're seeing that 10-year treasury yield continue to slowly creep up here. Is there anything to be concerned with from the currency standpoint?
10: Not not really. I mean, if you're a wheat trader, maybe. But I think the, the bottom line here is we we're finding out is moving as quickly as anything else regardless of the currency. Um, but when it comes to really new crop planning, and I'm talking about 2020, like 2022 planning for. For South America, so what they'll plant next fall, a lot of it will be dependent on the currency. Price matters certainly, but you know these guys have had 14, 15 dollar beans the last few years because the currency's been so weak. If we could see that currency change, and again, I've been kind of banking on this for a while and I've been wrong, but if the Brazilian real could get off the floor and trade with, you know, more of a four to one ratio instead of a 5.1 to one ratio, uh, it's going to put pressure on those folks down there to stop growing to a certain degree on the margins, and that is going to put pressure on you folks to grow more. Well, where does where do those acres come from at this point? So right now I think it's, this is a bull market, and uh, I look for, you know, opportunities here along the way, not just in this crop but in the, in the new crop as well. So uh, if you get opportunities, I think, you know, hedging some ahead of the crop insurance period makes some sense. Um, but if you get a breakdown to, say, $4 or 4 10 on that new crop, I mean, I think the end users are going to be in strong if they even get that price.
8: That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more and sign up for John's daily newsletter this week in grain at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Again, that's danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. We'll still see the front three-month corn contracts end in the green.
0: And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com.